even before we could be seen, God still believed in us. Wow. He said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. So before we were even seen physically, he still believed in us. Wow. Imagine that, that the God of the universe believes in you. Amen. To the point where we don't even need to be physically seen to be believed in. We don't need to be physically seen. So if we don't need to be physically seen, no achievements need to be physically seen for you to get approval. God already believes in you. He believed you into existence. He faithed you into existence. What are the fine bar accolades? What are the fine bar achievements? God sees us when we don't see ourselves. Morning, church. So good to be in the church this morning to worship with God this morning, amen? The title of the sermon today is A Greater Purpose. A Greater Purpose. A Greater Purpose. That means there's a purpose for our lives, but there's an even greater purpose that we've yet to discover. There's a greater purpose for our lives, amen? And so I do want to welcome those who are visiting for the very first time. We are the Birmingham International Christian Church. My name is Joseph. I'm originally from London. I've been in Birmingham for around three years. But um, you, can't, you can take a Londoner out of London, but you can't take the Londoner out of the Londoner. Amen. And so, of course, I'm here with my lovely wife leading the Birmingham International Christian Church, Novella Perigel. I know you're probably wondering how in the world we married. We look like kids, but it's okay. You know, we're young in the Lord. You get closer to God, you get, closer, you get younger. Amen. And so, of course, I do want to, uh, I do want to uh, welcome uh, Jess's family and friends for visiting for the first time. It's a pleasure for you being here as well. And of course, Brendan's friend and family, of course, being here as well. Say hi to uh, Brendan's mom, who's on, tuning in online. Turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. Acts 13. It says this in verse 36. Now when David had served God's purpose in his own generation. We see that, right? The scripture says when David served God's purpose, which means God has a purpose for our lives. But we forget that Satan exists as well. So we could be serving Satan's purpose as we speak. But God only allowed David to die when he served God's purpose. Which means we all have an opportunity to serve God's purpose. And served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. I hope that doesn't describe you this morning. He was buried with his ancestors and his body decayed and the church says... The scripture says that God had a greater purpose for David. That when David had served his purpose, he fell asleep. In other words, he died. So the fact that we're still alive today, the fact that we're still on earth, is because God wants to use our lives for a greater purpose. He has a greater purpose yet for us to fulfill. And the scripture states that God has a purpose for David, had a purpose rather, in his own generation. Which means that our life has an impact in our 
generation. Amen. Which means if God, I mean, some people wish I was born in the 90s. Some people was born. People, some wish, wish I was born in the 80s. Some people wish I was, man, could I have been born in the 60s or the 50s or when times were even better. Wow. When we weren't stuck in the, in, in, in the time of AI. But the scripture says that he served a purpose in his own generation. Which means if God personed another generation, we may not have not made an impact in that generation. Because that wasn't the generation God wanted us to have an impact in. That's the reason why he determined for us to be born in this generation. Yes, we could say it in the Bible. Yes, the apostles evangelized the world in 33 years, as we know from Colossians 1.6 and Colossians 1.23, that every living creature under heaven had heard about the living gospel, had, had heard about the gospel. And that doesn't mean that everyone accepted the gospel. Word evangelization doesn't mean everyone accepted the gospel. It means they heard about the message, whether through sharing faith or through persecution. We see persecution through Acts chapter 8. When Stephen died, that's when the persecution came. And that's when the, the, the disciples went from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria. And dare we say they met one of the most radical people, Paul the Apostle. Yeah. So it was persecution that saved the most radical man in the New Testament. That wrote most of the New Testament. That saved, dare we say, Europe. Because in Acts chapter 16, he got a vision from Macedonian man. Macedonia being Europe. Europe. So without that man, without persecution, we would not have had the gospel today. Persecution is not a curse. It's just how we view persecution. So we can say that, we, we, can, say, we can go back to the scripture. It says they, 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 that the apostles evangelized the world in their generation. So why do we have to do it? But the scripture says they did it in their generation. So we're called to do it in our generation. We're alive because we're yet to fulfill our greater purpose. That the reason we are still here today is to fulfill a greater purpose. That everything that's happening to us, it's not, it's not happening to us. It's happening for us. To be able to fulfill a greater purpose. A purpose that has made to leave an impact in this generation. That all the pain that has happened to us is meant to serve a greater purpose. All the losses that we've had have a purpose. All the perseverance would have been worth it for a greater purpose. That there's more to us than just a nine to five job. There's more to us than just being a campus student. There's more to us than just educate. There's more to us. We haven't even unleashed like the anime fans say, our final form. Dare we say we're all going through our own character arc. Our character's still not yet developed. Allow ourselves to develop. We're here for a reason. We are not a mistake. Repeat after me, I am not a mistake. Okay, now say it with a bit more conviction. I am not a mistake. Okay, now say it as if you're actually happy, believing that you're, I'm not a mistake. Not the most straight-faced, because fine, I'm, the, I'm not a mistake. Okay, we understand you're not a mistake. But say it with more conviction, I am not a mistake. Do you know what we're saying is in the Bible? Romans 11. Romans chapter 11. A greater purpose. Romans 11. The Bible says this in verse 29. It says this. For God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. Which means God is essentially saying that your call here today was not a mistake. That you are not a mistake. 
that the gifts God's given you was not a mistake. You were made for a purpose. You were not an accident. You were made by the almighty God on purpose. We are not a mistake. We were created for a greater purpose. David, in the Bible, a 16-year-old boy, didn't know when he was tending sheep that he was going to be used for a greater purpose to unite the 10 northern tribes of Israel and the southern tribes of Israel to be the most successful king. He didn't know that when he was a teenager. He didn't know that. He thought it was just, I'm just, I'm just flicking my, flicks, you know, my, 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 my slingshot at the tree, just singing songs, dancing to myself. He didn't know he's going to be used to take down a nine-foot giant. He didn't know that. He didn't know that his life was going to be used for a greater purpose. His life was going to be used. His life was going to be used. Even, even when it came to Rahab. She didn't know she was going to be used. Despite her past. Despite her promiscuous past. God did not look at her sins. He looked at her and saw that she repented. That she, she was going to be used for great, God's greater purpose. To hide Caleb and Joshua to then allow the, 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 the walls of Jericho to fall down. And dare we say, we have, we, we, we have a, woman, a woman of God who's coming today. Will, will the walls of Jericho come down? Will we have Jess getting baptized today? <laughs> Rahab did not know when she was in her promiscuous lifetime she was going to be used for a greater purpose by God. So when we're back in those days, because I know some of the sisters can be caught up in the past. But she wasn't focused on the past and God still used her. Sisters, God can still use you. Sisters, God can still use you. Joseph, not me. As a 70-year-old boy, also tending flocks. I don't know why God, well, God's very intentional with these flocks right here. Didn't know that years later, his dream of sheaves of grain will be made true. As he would be used for a greater purpose to be the man to help feed the masses with grain. So his dream that he saw in Genesis 37 was achieved in Genesis 50. He saw himself, he saw a vision of saving people years later. He didn't know that as a 17-year-old boy. And ironically, another 17-year-old boy is getting baptized today. His name is Brendan Dwyer. the masses right there the young people campus students the teach ministry god wants to use you for a greater purpose i know janelle believes that she's a campus student right there i mean guys i mean janelle is a campus student amen but abraham abraham for those who've been around for a while abraham didn't know at the age of 100 that he was going to be used for a greater purpose to be the father of the nations, to give birth to Isaac, the promised son. That it doesn't matter what age that we are, God can still use us for a greater purpose and the remnant say, Amen. Peter, as a fisherman, a man who messed up so many times, super prideful, tried to even rebuke Jesus. Didn't even know that he was called to give, like, didn't know when he was called to give up his job, go into the full-time ministry. Didn't know he was going to be used for a greater purpose to be the first church leader in the Bible. And used to be the most fruitful person in the Bible to baptize 3,000 people on the day of Pentecost. We don't know what is in us. Especially when God calls us, he is calling us to a greater purpose in our lives, amen? Amen. Yeah, in order to live our greater purpose, we need to have greater self-belief. And that's our first point. Greater self-belief. Turn your Bibles to March chapter 5. Greater self-belief. Greater self-belief. 
greater self-belief. Not just self-belief, but greater self-belief. We sang even greater things today. Do we believe in doing even greater things than these? You know, I want to persuade the church this morning of something. God believes in us. God believes in you. Even if you don't believe in yourself, God still believes in you. God believes in every single one of us this morning. He faithed us into existence. He believed us into existence. Jeremiah 1.5 says, before he formed us in the womb, he knew us. What is faith? Faith is confidence about what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Hebrews 11 verse 1. Even before we could be seen, God still believed in us. He said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. So before we were even seen physically, he still believed in us. Imagine that. That the God of the universe believes in you. To the point where we don't even need to be physically seen to be believed in. We don't need to be physically seen. So if we don't need to be physically seen, no achievements need to be physically seen for you to get approval. God already believes in you. He believed you into existence. He faithed you into existence. What are defined by our accolades? What are defined by our achievements? God sees us when we don't see ourselves. When we don't believe in ourselves, God does. When we don't see ourselves doing something great, God does. God sees those private victories. God sees those small victories. He sees that triumph over persecution. He sees those triumphs over doubts. He sees us win. And what we're about to look at in the Bible is a woman in the Bible whom God wanted to see for herself what she was capable of when she had greater self-belief. Mark chapter 5, verse 25. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. What do we understand from this? Is that she grew, but she grew worse. So we're always growing. It's whether we're growing better or we're growing worse. Or we're growing bitter or we're growing better. But she didn't grow bitter, she grew better. We'll see this later on. But this woman had a seemingly incurable condition causing her to bleed constantly. This may have been a menstrual or uterine disorder that would have made her ritually unclean according to Leviticus 15 verse 25 to 27 and excluded her from most social contact. So, what, so, 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 so putting it back to those days, there we say she was seen as a virus. At this time, there was, there was even no social media. There was none. She couldn't even vlog. She's like, hey guys, day one of my, my, my recovery. Day two of my recovery. Day three of my recovery. She couldn't vlog it like Marcus Garcia back in Italy when he was abroad. She just couldn't vlog it. She just couldn't vlog it. So she couldn't even connect with people online. She was alone. She, dare we say, she had to social distance and self-isolate for 12 years. And we were like, oh man, can we get out of self-isolation for a year? 12 years? We can't even imagine how she felt having to isolate from most contact for 12 years. She may have felt a lot about herself, a lot about her condition. She may have been super insecure. She may have said a lot of things, negative things, intrusive things to herself. Everyone avoided her due to her condition. And so she may have felt super lonely. She may have lost all self-belief, all hope, and all faith. She even went to all doctors to get better. Every do- the scripture says she went to every doctor wow. to get better, but only suffered worse. And she became more broke. 
Because the scripture states in the other translation, in Luke chapter 8, verse 43, in the book of Luke, he also highlights that she spent all of her life savings on doctors. So she was super broke and super lonely. Wow. But then verse 27, what do we see? Mom. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. What does the scripture highlight? The scripture states that when she heard about Jesus, she still did something. Come on. Despite a disappointing 12 years of no change. Wow. She still did something. What did this highlight? She still had self-belief. Amen. Because she states in the scripture, if I, she's like, no, 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 I got this. If I only can get to his cloak. Mm. Not if someone helps me. She's like, no, no, if I get there. Then I can, I can, I may be healed. She had self-belief. Come on. She didn't expect doctors to tend to her. She went and did it herself, mm. despite even the social stigma attached to her. Mm. She saw her condition as an opportunity to literally get close to God. Wow. No, literally, she used her condition to literally get closer in her relationship with God. She didn't lose her. She didn't lose to her condition. She used her condition. Come on. That God allowed her to be in. To get close to Jesus. To get closer to God. To get healed. She could have naturally wanted to blame God. Say, why am I going through this, Jesus? Why am I going through this, God? Why me? You don't know how bad I had it, Jesus. You don't know how bad I had it. You don't know how much I've had to suffer, Jesus, for 12 years. She didn't say that. She didn't question Yet she didn't wait for anyone to persuade her. She said, I will be healed. She believed in herself. She believed in herself so much that she may have very well have been faster than the disciples that were literally right behind Jesus. As the scripture states, they were following Jesus right behind in the book of Matthew as he got up, but she managed to come right behind Jesus himself. So even those who were closest to Jesus, they were strolling, they were walking by. They're like, oh, we're, we're, we're in the kingdom of God. We're, just, we're, we're, we're with Jesus. But she was desperate. Yeah. She probably sped. She's like, I'm, I'm getting fast track in front of these disciples. I don't know who they are. I'm getting through these guys. Yeah. In addition to all this, in the correlating scripture in Mark, it talks about the crowd around Jesus, even pressing up against Jesus. Mm. In the book of Luke, stating almost crushing Jesus. Wow. Yet she didn't care about the crowds. And she didn't care about how society saw her. She had greater self-belief. Greater self-belief doesn't care what people think. Greater self-belief makes it happen. When we have great self-belief, we can do what society says can't be done. What happened next? Verse 29. Immediately, her bleeding stopped. And she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. So immediately after she had self-belief, her suffering stopped. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out for him. He turned around to the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You know what's crazy? Jesus already knew who touched his clothes because he's God. Right. He wasn't looking for information. He was looking for a confession. Like, like, like what he said to Adam in the garden, where are you? He already knew where he was. You're just seeing, okay, is he going to be honest? You know, some of us, and again, they were in the very presence of God. So we could be in the very presence of God, but hiding from God. Wow. You know what made them hide? Sin. 
But what, what made her hide when she was caught up behind Jesus was just, just she wanted to do it in secret. She wanted to just do it in secret. Quiet faith. Mustard seed of faith. She didn't want to attract attention. She wasn't all about selfish ambition. She said, I'm going to do this myself. Because she believes in herself. The verse goes on to say this. You see the people crowding against you? His disciples answered. And yet you, you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what happened, had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. And the church says, Amen. you know, do we, the question is, do we have this level of self-belief? Do we truly believe in our abilities? Not because we're anything special, but because God administered our abilities, Matthew 25. He entrusts our abilities to us. He entrusts salvation to the disciples. He entrusts a responsibility for us to share the gospel. He entrusts us. Do we believe in ourselves to handle the truth? Do we believe in ourselves? Because she, was, she had to tell the whole truth. She had to tell the whole truth in front of God. But the question is, do we truly believe in, our, in ourselves? Do we truly have deep self-belief? Because she knew she probably would have been shut down, but she still believed in herself. Yeah. Nevertheless, she persevered. Mm. 12 years of suffering ended with what? One touch mm. with Jesus. Despite the fact that there was a crowd pressing against Jesus, why was her touch different? Why, how was her touch different compared to everyone else that was touching her? Verse 34. What does it say? It says, daughter, your faith has healed you. Even Jesus didn't even say, I healed you. Wow. He said, your faith has healed you. Your self-belief, your perseverance, your fight to get to me. Your effort. Jesus, wasn't, Jesus had the right to take all the credit. But he was like, no, no, no. Let me give credit what credit is due. You gave all the effort. Your faith, your self-belief had healed you. Her faith was a possible result of her self-belief. And she didn't allow past experiences to define her future effort. Mm. Wow. Or we can find ourselves allowing past experiences to define future effort. Mm. I don't want to be hurt again. I have trust issues. Well, we do realize trust issues are forgiveness issues. Mm. Why? Because if we really trusted, because trust is a decision, it's not a feeling. How long did the eunuch know Philip in the book of Acts? A second. One verse. One verse. But for us, well, it takes a couple years. Let me, let me, let, you got to earn my trust. Trust is a decision. We, 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 we've coined it because there's no trust issues in the Bible. There's only forgiveness issues. The only reason why we, why we struggle to trust is because we struggle to forgive. Because if we forgave the person who hurt us in the past, we're not afraid of the person who's in front of us to hurt us again. They're still, because remember, because then we could just be like the bleeding woman bleeding for 12 years, still bleeding, not dealing with the, with, with the wound of forgiveness. So we're still bleeding, but we're not dealing with it with Jesus. One touch of the Bible. One we did realize the Bible wasn't even existing at this time. Jesus is the word. Jesus is the word. He was the walking Bible. She, she opened her Bible. She got a touch of the Bible. She got some faith and that's how she got healed. Dare we say, dare we say she had a Bible study. She had a Bible study. She had a Bible study. Then she got some faith. She got some faith. She got some faith. She didn't allow her past experience to define her future effort. She always had it in her to persevere. Her greater self, belief, gave her that opportunity to persevere. 
So it's in us. It's in us to persevere. We have it in us. But she needed suffering to believe in herself. So sometimes we need suffering to actually see that we have more belief in us than we think. Because imagine a church where everyone believes in themselves. Just imagine. Just imagine that. Just imagine not walking like a cock in the Let me just broaden my shoulders. Let me be super overcome. No, 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 no. You have a Godfidence. You know, you're secure in your relationship with God. If, no, if nobody loves you in the world, you know that God loved you first. God loved you first. Imagine a church where everyone believes in themselves because, because they know that God believes in them. But why do we think, but, 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 let, let's take it back a bit. Why do we think that Jesus asked who touched me? When he, was, when he already knew who touched her. Because he's God, he already, he already, know, he already knew who touched her. You know, you know why? Jesus did it so that she would know why she was healed. Now when Jesus said, daughter, your faith has healed you. It showed the woman that it wasn't really the touching of the clothing of Jesus that healed her. Instead, it was her faith, her self-belief, her hope that got her close to Jesus. And what he could do for her to help her heal. You know what's powerful as well? Is that Jesus, he called her daughter. Jesus never called anybody else recorded in the gospel daughter. He wanted her to know that she didn't just find a cure. She found family. Because of her social stigma for a long time, she may have not even had contact with family. But yet she found family in Jesus. You know, we didn't pick our family. You know, I didn't choose to be Filipino. Amen. I mean, I'm fired up in Filipino. Amen. You know, but so like God didn't choose, like we didn't get to choose our family, our physical family. So we don't get to choose our spiritual family. If God wants us to have a brother who's from the UK and is called Johnny Chan for me to learn from him, I'm like, yes, this is going to be my older brother in the faith. Yeah. If God wants me to have a Nigerian brother to make sure I get used to Jollof rice, he's going to give me Joshua Chan. But then he also wants to keep composure. That God wants me to keep composure and not, and not have a feud with who, who, whose Jollof rice is better. Is it Ghana or, 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 is, it, or is it Nigeria? That's why he gave me Jeffrey Ajauto, the Ghanaian. You know, he's given me, you know, different brothers. Different brothers of different backgrounds. You see that? All nations. All nations. God believes in that, amen? But how long did he know her for to call her daughter? A moment. So family isn't those who've been around for a long time. You choose your family. No, no, no. More even, God chooses your family. God chooses. Family is a decision. You know, what, I, mean, I mean, I personally think family means fam, I-L-Y, fam, I love you. Oh. Oh. So I'm, I'm just trying to stay relevant, okay? But it takes a moment to become family. So what do we see here? God, Jesus, is the father to the fatherless. The mother to the motherless. Because he created mothers, amen mamas. He created brothers and sisters. He created us. He created family. Family. We were made for each other. We were made to be family. So that means we're going to bump heads. But it doesn't mean you leave the family just because you bump heads. Yeah. Like, I'm no longer part of the parent of family because I'm arguing with my dad. 
No, I'm still part of the family. We just deal with it with family. Like family. Amen. Amen. Well, what do we also learn about this in the scripture? We also learn that she tried all doctors. But only Jesus could heal her. Only Jesus could fulfill her hope. Not any other doctor. No relationship. No other self-help book. No other solution but Jesus. No other, no other religion. No other faith but Jesus was the only one that could heal her. Well, what's the bottom line of this whole scripture? Remember, greater self-belief, amen? amen? What got her here in the first place? Her suffering. Suffering is there to birth self-belief. Without suffering, she wouldn't have believed that she could get healed. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verse 3 to 5, to get to hope. Let's read it. Romans 5. Let's see it from the word of God. We're having a Bible study today. Romans 5. Keep up now. Romans 5. Verse 3 to 5. It says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Doesn't sound like this generation. We want to avoid our sufferings. Because we know that suffering. So it's something that's common knowledge. It says, we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. The Bible says to get to hope, to get to faith, because hope means faith in the Greek. Today we say to get to self-belief, there needed to be suffering to then produce perseverance, to then produce the character, to handle the hope. Because without her suffering, she wouldn't have produced that perseverance to develop a character to not give up when Jesus walked by. So the challenge is super simple. Let's not stop at the suffering. Because sometimes we stop at the suffering. So then, therefore, we're always hopeless. Because to get to the hope, we need to go through suffering, perseverance, character, character, hope. So sometimes we're hopeless in our lives because we stop at the suffering. We get tired of the suffering. But suffering produces, that's what the Bible says, suffering produces perseverance. Suffering produces character. So there's a character, there's a version of you that's produced only with suffering. Wow. And we enjoy watching these films. But then when it happens to us, we don't want it to happen to us. <laughs> we see the character, we see the hero. We see like these guys, they get defeated, they get like, oh, and then they have this epic slow motion music. Oh, wow. They pick up their shield, they're like, yeah, let's go to battle. And you're like, yeah, let's go, let's go, let's go. How, how would it be? They're like, oh, just my suffering. Oh, I don't think I can do it. And then you just see the end credits. Oh my gosh. I just wasted 17 19 or whatever price for to watch this movie. It's a boring film. We see that? And so why is it why are we so excited when it comes to films or see someone else's character development? But when it comes to ourselves, we give up. But like let me just stop at, you know, chapter one. That's it. So what's the challenge? Let suffering finish its work. Yeah. At the Bible says in James 1, let perseverance finish its work. So that will be, we, may, we may be mature and complete. So sometimes we may not be mature and complete without letting suffering finish its work. Some of us may still be mature, immature in some of our areas of our life because we could grow old but still be immature. We can see that. You could, you could, yeah, we, that can happen. We see that. But when we allow suffering to finish its work, then we can be mature according to the scriptures. Amen. 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 Maybe that's what it will take to help us to get to hope to get to faith and dare we say self-belief. Amen? Amen. Point number two, greater faithfulness. Greater faithfulness. Greater faithfulness. Turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 14. Luke 14. Luke chapter 14.
greater faithfulness. You know, analyzing this woman's story, despite the fact that she was being looked down by the rest of society, the woman stayed faithful. She could have easily seen no need to stay faithful. With With the 12 years, all the doctors and all the lost hope, but even she had even greater faithfulness. And that's our point number two, greater faithfulness. She believed in the principle that we find in Luke chapter 14, in verse 28. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. When you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it. For if you lay the foundation and are able to finish it, everyone who sees, sees it will ridicule you, saying this person began to build but wasn't able to finish. And what's the opposite of able? Disabled. So we see that? When we, when, we, when we invest in something but we don't allow it to finish, we disable our ability to finish. The scripture says, don't invest unless you know you're going to finish. This woman invested her whole life. She invested her whole life savings. And she was like, I have nothing but I'm going to finish this. I am going to finish. So we, what does it highlight? We don't need money. We don't need anything to finish our race. We don't need anything. She believed in finishing what she started. She didn't believe in starting something without finishing it. So what do we see from this? As disciples, as true Christians, we see discipleship is not a try and buy. What do we see in, in, Luke, in the same chapter? Verse 25. Luke 14, 25. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father, mother, wife, and children, brothers, sisters, yes, even their own life. What? Jesus? Hate their own life? God, Jesus. J- Jesus? You're saying hate your own life? I thought, I thought you, you, your love, God, hate? Wait, hate your mom? Hate, hate our mothers? Hate our, wait, wait, hate our fathers? Wait, nah, Jesus, this can't be, nah, nah, nah. But the, no, no, no. Hate in the Greek means miseo, which means to love less. Why? Because God loves our mom and our dad more than we love them. Because we think, oh, if I, if I can't spend time with my family, they won't feel loved. Oh, but God, doesn't God love your family more? That's why he made you a disciple to help save them. Ooh. We see that, right? Right. I, I, mean, this is, I mean, this is the Bible. I mean, if this is Jesus... Because what do you say? Such a person cannot be my disciple. Damn, Jesus, man, if you don't hate your family, wow. Jesus, you can't be. My goodness. So this is the standard of Jesus. Let's let's read on. Even verse 33. In the same way, those who who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. The scripture doesn't say give up what you're going to get. It says give up what you have. Wow. Man, it says everything. Oh my gosh, Jesus. You know what everything means in the Greek? Everything. So Jesus wasn't a salesman. He wasn't trying to like get as many people. It says large crowds were following him, but he wasn't focused on the crowds. Yes. We even see in John chapter 6, he preached to his disciples saying, this is a hard teaching. Can you accept it? Mm. And it says many, in, in John 6 verse 66, it says many of the disciples left him and fled. Come on. You see that? Yeah. So it, it's not about the hype. We're here for the long run. Discipleship is a marathon, not a sprint. Yes. Amen? Amen? Discipleship, we got, we got to stick to the very end. Yes. We got sticking to the very, we got even greater faithfulness. Even, because you know what's powerful is that God is, very, God, God is very methodical. In the beginning, right, Genesis, we see God created man. So the first thing that God wanted was a relationship with man. 
So I call it the three W's. It's called worship. He wanted him to worship. Because when we get to heaven, what we're going to do? Worship. So we're perfecting our worship on earth. So if we're singing like, glory, glory. Okay, so according to the Old Testament, that's not a pleasing aroma to the Lord. So why would God want that in heaven? So if we're like, glory, glory, or just straight face the whole time. I mean, we're at church worshiping God. We're not at a funeral. The only funeral we should have is dying to ourselves. Right? So that's the first W, worship. Then after that, he gave Adam a wife. No, he didn't. He gave him work. Genesis 2. He put him in the garden to work it. To take care of it. You see that? You see that? And then he gave him a wife. But it says, God said, it's not good for man to be alone. Not, the man said, it's not good for me to be alone. No. It's, no. God determines the times when we get married. Amen. Praise God, I got married to the most beautiful woman, Novella Perigel. Marriage is awesome. It's awesome. Some of you should try it sometime. Right? But, 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 the, but the point is, is that if we can't stay faithful to discipleship, to, to worship, we can't handle work. And then we say we can't handle a wife or a husband for the sisters. We see that? So, well, so what's the point? We've got to focus on having even greater, greater faithfulness to God first. But what we deal with is relationships, school, education before worship. Remember last week, our point, protect our worship. Yeah. I hope you guys protected your worship this week. Yeah. Ooh, sounds very quiet. Not many people protected their worship this week. Yeah. It's okay. If you guys want to rewatch the sermon, it's online. Uh, so, uh, of course, props to the cyber team. It's on our uh, Birmingham ICC page. Please watch it. It's called Protect and Neglect. Right? So, but we've got to stay to the very end. Why is this super important? Why, why, why are we preaching on staying? We've got to stay as true Christians to the very end. Why is this super important? Because there's a quote. The world is the way the world is because the church is the way the church is. Amen. You know, what? we live in a time where everyone blames the system. Everyone wants to point fingers, blame the prime minister, blame the government, blame the people. But what are we doing? Right. Everyone wants to admit, admit that the world is dark and lost. But no one wants to admit that they're dark and lost. Right. Oh. If the world is messed up, what's the world composed of? Messed up people like you and me? You know what's crazy is that the church, literally the church hasn't done its job for over 2,000 years. The weight of the world is on our shoulders. If we want to see the world change, we've got to have greater faithfulness. Amen. But greater faithfulness to what? To being true Christians. No, 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 to being true Christians. Amen. Because what allows false religions, false beliefs to prosper, is when Christians have failed to have vital influence in the world. In other words, when Christians don't live like Christians, that's when false teachings begin. Wow. That's when all these false religions take over. When Christians fail to live like Christians. It's like an Easter egg on the outside. You seem like a promising Christian. Inside, just hollow. No convictions. Empty convictions. Hollow. Sweet on the outside, but hollow in the inside. When Christians don't, don't believe in having like, greater self-belief, we stop being true Christians. When Christians don't have greater faithfulness, we stop being true Christians. When Christians don't believe in their greater purpose, we stop being true Christians. You know, a Canadian writer, journalist, broadcaster, and best-selling author, Pierre Burton, stated that the virus that has been weakening the church for more than a generation is not the virus of anti-religious uh, anti passion, but the very lack of it. The church to its opponents has become as a straw man, scarcely worth a bullet. That means Christianity is not even worth a bullet. Wow. 
because of the lack of people being passionate for God. Most ministers are scarcely distinguishable by their words, opinions, actions or way of life from the normal Christians and non-Christians who form the whole community. So there's no distinguishing factor between true Christians and those who aren't even Christians anymore. Wow. When we fail to carefully and seriously provide true demonstration of the word of God with our love, with, 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 with the world, those with spiritual needs will find other avenues of fulfillment with many false religions and false beliefs. Acts chapter 11. We need greater faithfulness and we need to have greater faithfulness to being true Christians. But what does it look like to be a true Christian according to the Bible? Acts 11, verse 25. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called what? Christians. First at Antioch. And the church says, yeah. so what were they called? Christians. What do we see? This is the first time they were called Christians. Yep. Wow. The first time. No, no, this was the first, so for, 10 to, so for 7 to 11 years after Matthew 28, which is around 33 AD, this is around, this is around 41, 43 AD, that's, this is taking place in Acts chapter 11, this was the first time they were called Christians. Come on. The first time. That means before this point, what were they called? Disciples. So up until this point, this was the first time they were called Christians. So up until that point, were they really living like Christians? Only up until that point, they began living like Christians. Because what does Christian mean? Christ-like. So when they saw them, they're like, this guy reminds me, they remind me of that guy, Christ. Do we have lives that remind people of Christ? That you don't tell them you're a Christian. That they know you're a Christian by the way we live. Because they were called Christians by who? The guys in Antioch. The guys in Antioch, they basically, when, when people come to Antioch, Greek-speaking, it's a Greek-speaking city, they didn't even know about Jesus. They were Gentiles, right? And so what was happening is that they were like, oh, they would give derogatory nicknames to people. And it was insults. It wasn't a good one. They're like, oh, look at these Christians. They remind me of that guy that I heard about, Christian, what that guy, Jesus Christ. You see that? So it had a negative stigma. But because of their lifestyle, so radical, they literally had to be given a nickname. Come on. Those are the Christians. So when true Christians don't have grateful, a greater faithfulness to being real and open and confessing to one another in their D times, we allow the world to be influenced by a teacher other than God. Mm. When true Christians don't have greater faithfulness to being on campus, we allow the campus to be influenced by a teacher other than God. Mm. When true Christians don't have greater faithfulness to being on the streets, sharing faith, preaching the word, following up, having quiet times, worshiping God, but worshiping emotions... We allow, the word of, we allow the world to be influenced by a teacher other than God. When true Christians don't have greater faithfulness to standing firm in persecution, we allow the world to be influenced by a teacher other than God. Mm. Who is that teacher? Satan. Right. Romans, uh, Revelation 12 verse 9 says, Satan has been hurled down to earth, leading the whole world astray. So Satan's a great teacher. He's got a lot of people following his teachings. We abandon a generation that is left to teach themselves when we don't have greater faithfulness to being true Christians. We abandon them alone with Satan. You ever been abandoned? Why are we abandoning this, this generation then? Jesus was abandoned on the cross because of our sins. Matthew 27 verse 46. It says, he says, Father, Father, why hast thou forsaken me? That means he couldn't have a quiet time for three days. 
Imagine never having the ability to read your Bible and pray for three days. Imagine. Never, ha- even, because who's going to pray? He's separated from eternal God. He couldn't pray to any, he couldn't say God. He couldn't say anything. He couldn't. Because it was eternally separated because of our sin. So we caused the abandonment of a father from, to his son. Wow. That's us. That's us. Jesus was abandoned on the cross. We abandon people in this generation to get involved with false teaching, including persecution, when we don't choose to have greater faithfulness to being true Christians. Because we do realize that Satan is behind all persecution. Yes. How do we know this? Ephesians chapter 6. So when we read and listen to persecution, we listen to the word of Satan more than we listen to the word of God. Mm. Ephesians chapter 6. Because we've got to see a biblical principle. Bibli- we've got to see biblically how the scriptures talk about persecution. Right. Verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor. That means people can put partial armor. Mm. So that you can take, take your stand against who? The devil's, the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth. Where do you find truth? The Bible. The Bible. Oh. Buckled around your waist. With the breastplate of righteousness in place, where do you find righteousness? The Bible. And with your feet, written with the, uh, feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Where is the gospel? The in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith. Where do we get faith from? Bible. Which you can distinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation. Where do you find out about salvation? The Bible. And the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, which is? The Bible. So how do we protect ourselves from persecution? The Bible. Read our Bibles. Yeah. Not read persecution. Yeah. Read our Bibles. Sometimes we build deeper convictions on persecution more than we build deeper convictions on what the Bible says. Wow. About persecution. Seeing how the disciples got persecuted. Because persecution is guaranteed. It's a byproduct of being a true Christian. That's right. Don't believe me? 2 Timothy chapter 3. Come on, 2 Timothy 3. It says it in the Bible. Yes. If we aren't persecuted, then there's an issue. Yes. Because the scripture she says it in 2 Timothy 3, verse 12. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, this is talking to the disciples already, yep. will be persecuted. Yes. Does it say might be? No. Does it say maybe? No. no. So those who are actually being persecuted, oh, you're like, okay, no, this church is being persecuted. So they must actually be living a godly life. Right. But we live in a time where like our denominations, they believe Jesus, God is all love, love, love. Okay, do we forget Sodom and Gomorrah? God is also a God of anger. Romans 1.18 says we're being saved from the wrath of God, not saved from hell. So what it means to be saved, it means from saving from God, not saved from hell. We think we're being saved from hell. No, no, no. It says the wrath of God is being revealed to those, those who, who throw their lives into the world. I, I paraphrase the scripture. Please read it. It's Romans 1.18. Amen. Let's go, man. But it says the wrath of God is being revealed. God doesn't tolerate sin. He loves the sinner, but doesn't like the sin. So persecution is guaranteed. It's a guarantee. If we aren't being persecuted, then there's an issue. But it requires greater faithfulness. It's like the blue tick you get on Instagram or the blue tick you get. I mean, now you can buy your blue tick, which is it's garbage, right? But it's like verified on Twitter. Ver- it's basically your verified tick of being a true disciple when you stand firm in persecution. Yeah. Because it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Even in Mark 10, verse 29 to 30, it says, Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, No one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields along with persecutions. 
and in the age to come eternal life. So the scripture literally says, when we become a disciple, when we give, when we, when we, when we give up everything for Christ, we won't fail to receive a hundred times more persecution. Oh. So we're actually more persecuted as disciples. Oh. So if we, if we can't even handle persecution, as one film says, you can't handle the truth. Right. Persecution is just testing. So you can, can you actually tell, take the truth? You know, Jesus is actually the most persecuted person until, until this very day. Yes, that's right. Until this very day. People are mocking Jesus. People are mocking Jesus. But true Christians aren't offended. They're not offended. They just watch these films and go, oh, yeah, this, is, this is Christ. No, no, that's not Christ. That's not the God I serve. Our lives reminding the world of Jesus Christ. Even down to the way we love one another. John 13 verse 34 to 35 says, When disciples love one another as Christ has loved them, the world will know that we're his disciples if we love one another. So if we are Christ-like to one another. So do we forgive one another? Do we care about one another? Do we protect one another like a good shepherd? John 10, Jesus says he is the good shepherd. Do we, do we shepherd one another? Or is it just the, the full-time ministry just to call people if someone's missing from church? Are we concerned? Are we, are we concerned about one another? Are we doing what the Bible says or are we deceiving ourselves according to James 1, 22, 25, where it says, if you see what the Bible says, but don't do it, you deceive yourself. Are we robbing God? According to Malachi 3, verse 6 to 12, when we don't give contro every week, we're robbing God and are under a curse. You got to read the whole verse. The scripture says you're robbing me, but you're also under a curse. The Bible says that our lives are under a curse when we don't give contribution to God. So we wonder why we're always broke. No, because maybe because we're not giving anything. We're not giving anything. The Bible says that's the only area we're robbing God. So maybe our lives aren't moving because we're not giving our everything to God. We're robbing Him. Because it's His money. When we miss meetings of the body, we're not being a Christian. We don't fulfill what the Bible says in Acts 2 verse 42 to 47. You've got to write these scriptures down. It says they were fully devoted. How often do they meet? Every day. Every day. Because when we do that, where full commitment is from every member, when we do that, the scripture says in Acts 2 47, God added to the number daily. So if we're to see daily additions in the Midlands, just like in the Bible, we need to imitate the greater faithfulness in the Bible. The Bible says they met every day. Now we know life happens. So we can at least meet four days a week. Equating, do you know if you add meetings? Midweek, three hours. Sunday service, three hours. Bible talk, one hour. Campus, three and a half hours. Add that up. Ten and a half hours out of 168 hours. Take that away. That's 157 and a half hours for yourself. Ten and a half hours for God. That's a work shift. A work shift. We're more dedicated to a work shift than we are dedicated to God. That's a work shift. If we can't even spend 10 hours with God in meetings of the body, a work shift in eternity is beyond us. Because we're spending forever with God. If 10 hours is too much, eternity is beyond us. Beyond us. You know, like when you go to the stores and you try out the food, you're like, oh yeah, a little taster. That's the meetings of the body. A little taster of heaven. It's a little taster of heaven. We can't take a break in heaven. Let me just take a break from heaven. We can't do that. We can't. There's, there's no sleep in heaven, amen. But, but what's powerful? Let's bring it for a close here. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Wow. So what did that highlight? Just for those who, where the scripture went over your head. On judgment day, we're all called to give an account for things done in the body, whether good or bad, our physical body. So whether we lived as a true Christian or not, 
whether we had grateful, greater faithfulness or not, we still have to give an account. And in result, we receive what is due us, the things done in the body. So those times you missed our quiet times, oh, we got to tell God about those missed quiet times. Those times when we didn't share our faith, when we knew we had to share our faith, God's like, okay, why didn't you share your faith? And you'll be like, and you're like, can I, can, I, can, I, can I hide behind my disciple now? Can I actually have a D time now? And not avoid my D times? We have to give an account of those times we didn't go on dates. And we didn't ask every member on a date. We take the same sisters and brothers on dates. Because it was awesome having, you know, Mama Georgia and Marcus on our house for an encouragement date. It was awesome. It was awesome. But, but why, why don't all of us encourage them? Why don't all of us host them? Why don't all of, why don't all of, why you not encourage one another? For those even studying the Bible, God's going to even ask, why, why are we not disciples yet? For those who are yet to repent, he's going to ask, why didn't you repent? Why do you take so long? We all have to give an account. Challenge is simple. We've got to live lives to prove that we are Christian. If we were on trial as a Christian, would there be enough evidence in our lives to convict us that we're living that life? Point number three, our greater purpose. Psalm 78. Psalm 78. Just write the scripture down for time's sake. Psalm 78, verse one to five. I'll read it to you guys. My people, hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth with a parable. I will utter hidden things, things from of old things we have heard and known. Things our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from, our, from the descendants. We will, tell them the, we will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord for his power and the wonders he has done. He decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children. This is our greater purpose. In this scripture we just read in Psalm 78 verse 1 to 5. In this scripture, God is commanding the parents to teach their children about God. That this was a direct command from God, not a suggestion from man. That we as disciples are commanded by God to tell the next generation about their greater purpose, to tell others about God. Verse 6 in that scripture says, so the next generation would know them, even their children yet to be born. So even the kids that don't even get born yet need to know about God. That's how much we need to preach. And they in turn would tell their children. That's multiplication. So when we turn our kids, tell our kids that's not even born yet, they'll tell their kids when we keep preaching it in our families. We keep teaching it to our kids, keep teaching it to those around us. That, what does that highlight? Every generation will know about Christ. Every generation will know about God. There was a multiplication back then in the book of Psalms, and there can be multiplication today. Verse 7 in Psalm 78 says, Then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. The scripture says they would not forget his deeds. If we teach our, our, our future generations to remember the scriptures. The scripture highlights that we can forget about God. That we can have, dare we say, something called spiritual amnesia. The fact that we can forget the power of God and what he's done in our lives. We can forget that we were saved as disciples. We can forget yeah. it. Come on. That's why we've got to teach every single generation. As we teach others, we remind ourselves what we got saved from. Because then verse 8 in Psalm 78 says, They would not be like our ancestors, a stubborn and rebellious generation whose hearts were not loyal to God, whose spirits were not faithful to Him. The forefathers that they had didn't have greater faithfulness and stopped being loyal to God. Some may be here today, not being, some may be here today, may not have been raised by a Christian family. Yet although some of us weren't raised in a Christian family 
or didn't come from a Christian family. Today, God has come to tell us that a Christian family is going to come from us. Because that scripture literally states we're commanded to teach our next generation. Which means what if, if you're before, if there's no Christianity, we're going to teach it. We're going to make sure our future generation, our lineage is full of Christians. We're going to fill this world with Christians. Not because we have selfish ambition, but because that's the command of God to go and make disciples, Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20. And that's the command in Psalm 78. That from disciples, we're not just called to save this generation. We're called to save the generations to come. We're called to bridge the gap. The Bible says in Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 30, that the Lord looked for someone among the people of Israel who would build up the wall and stand before him in the gap on behalf of the land so he would not have to destroy it. But at that time, he found no one. So now he's calling us. We're the ones to stand in the gap between the generation of our forefathers and the future generations to help those know their greater purpose, to help the future, future generations know about God. The world doesn't need another occupation of what, already ha- of what it already has. It doesn't. It needs one more leader, one more Bible talk leader. It needs one more intern. It needs one more evangelist, one more cyber evangelist, one more cyber women's ministry leader, one more baptism, one more women's ministry leader. And even if that world had them, it still wouldn't even be enough. It would still need another. Come on. There's an ever-increasing need for people to know their greater purpose, even in this room. Even in this room. Be that one more. Be that one more. Live to our greater purpose. There's a purpose that we've yet to serve because we're still alive today. Let's have a greater self-belief. Let's have greater faithfulness. And let's believe a great, our greater purpose. I love you. And to God, be all the glory. Yeah.